0: Hello, and welcome to First Importance, the preaching and teaching ministries of First Baptist Church, West Memphis, Arkansas. Our prayer today is that you will be blessed and encouraged by the message to come. If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to join me in the Gospel of Luke in Chapter 10. The Gospel of Luke in Chapter 10, and the title of our message tonight is Just One Thing, just One Thing. There are two points, and I understand perhaps the humor there uh, to have the title Just One Thing, but to have two points today. But I want us as believers to be focusing on the right thing, to have our eyes set in the right place. And so, and so I want us to turn our attention to the Gospel of Luke in chapter Ten, and we'll look be looking at verses thirty-eight through forty-two, Luke chapter ten and verses thirty-eight through forty-two. Brother Johnny, you still around that corner? Let me ask you a question: Is nearer my God to thee in those hymnals? Is that in that hymnal right there? Uh, it should be. It should be. Yeah. Could you find that? For, we're not going to sing it. <laughs> I, that was part of my. That was part of my uh, last-minute do that before. Uh, I get up and preach, and, and before I got up to preach, I came over and ran words tonight. So I appreciate that, Brother Johnny. Thanks so much. I'm going to need that just a little bit later on. Thank you so much. Tonight, I want to talk a little bit about our priorities as believers. And how we so often get those mixed up, and how we fumble the ball uh, when it comes to following Jesus. And it's amazing! It's amazing. I have I have been following Jesus now for I've been following Jesus now for a solid two decades. And I've heard people say, "Well, if you're following Jesus," Uh, uh, You should be able to look and see progress in your life. Or see that you're a better person than you were before. But I'll tell you, the more that I follow Jesus, the more I am aware of how good He is. And how good I am not. And I'm thankful for His grace that He's always pouring out in our lives. Because He is always showing His faithfulness. Even when we lack that faith. He's always Proving to us He is who He says He is, even when we doubt those things. Even when we're prone to wonder. Our God is a God who forgives us. Can you imagine the statement that we read in 1 John when the Bible tells us that if we confess our sins to Him, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness? Can you imagine how wonderful that is? That we who were once enemies can now call Him Abba, Father. We can call out to Him. That we, frail children of dust who had rebelled against Him, could be called His children. And that we can even come before His throne boldly to make requests known before Him. I mean, we have a gracious God. But you'll find, I think, if you're like me, You get it wrong a lot more than you get it right, and your priorities get shifted and taken off of where it should be, and that's really the essence of our passage tonight. Our passage that we're going to read tonight and study has often been used by preachers, and not necessarily incorrectly, but has been used to talk about the differences in ...in the way that we uh, serve the Lord. Uh, You're going to hear, are you a Mary or are you a Martha? And there are certainly truths in the fact that God has gifted us into different areas. Uh, But this is not a passage about different personalities... ...and how people with different personalities and gifts come together and serve the Lord. This is a passage about really an admonition of Jesus... A correction to the person who thought they were doing the right thing that there is really only one thing that is important. If you have your Bibles Luke chapter 10 beginning now in verse 38 hear now the word of the Lord. Now as they went on their way Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house and as she had a Is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. Would you pray with me, please? Father in heaven, as we come to your word, uh, your people do not need the opinions of someone who is, uh, for many of my brothers and sisters here, I'm, I'm their junior. I, I've lived less life, I have less wisdom. We don't need a word from Josh, we need a word from Jesus, and so we come to your word. And we ask, Lord, that you speak to us. Father, that you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, illuminate the truths of this, your word, into our lives. That we wouldn't take it out of context. Lord, prevent me from saying the things that I shouldn't say. Father, give me clarity of speech now to proclaim boldly the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And this passage is one of those very memorable passages for those who have been studying the Bible for any length of time. And we come to this passage Jesus is journeying and he comes into this house of Martha and Mary. This is... Prior to the big event that all of us know will happen in Mary and Martha and Lazarus' life. uh, It's not recorded in the Gospel of Luke, but in John chapter 11 we read that uh, after this it takes place, uh, I don't know the exact amount of time, Jesus will raise Lazarus from the dead. So this all takes place before that. And Jesus is going to teach us a wonderful truth here about what is important. And what is priority for those of us who are believers and how we are to serve him. And before we look at that one thing, I want us to look at the person who got it wrong. And then we'll look at the person who got it right. First of all, I want you to look in verse 40 and I want you to notice distraction. Distraction. Martha was distracted in verse 40 with much serving. Now, let me ask you a question. Was Martha doing a good thing? Yes. Hey, by the way, this means yes. This means no. I'm not asking for amens. Hallelujahs. I just want to know that you have a pulse tonight. So shake that head yes. Shake that head no. Martha, of course, was doing a good thing. She was serving. And, you know, friends, I think that a lot of times... Uh, we as a, a church people get caught up in serving and we forget who we are serving. And that's really what's happening with Martha here. The object of her worship, not the avenue of her worship, but the object of her worship here is her own ability, her own work. And so she is serving. She becomes distracted. Now, the problem is not the serving itself. You see, uh, uh, people in the church should serve. By the way, God has gifted you uniquely. And he has put you in this body of believers at First Baptist Church West Memphis. And for you to sit on the sidelines or sit on the pew and to not contribute in serving in the church is a tragedy. God designed you special. He. Uh, uh, In your new birth, he gave you special gifts that that helped the church. Of course we ought to serve. This This is not a lesson about not serving. But serving became a distraction. I know that for many people who are in the ministry, for many people who are preachers, they become distracted by the service. I heard a pastor say one time, Pastors, be very, very careful. Be very, very careful with God's church. Because your relationship is with Him. He's betrothed the church to one person, and it's not to you. It's to Him. We want to be careful as we serve to not let the serving be what we worship. Look at all the things that I'm doing. You should be serving. There are some people in the church who've never learned to say no. And there are times... I know, like, if if Brother Billy, when we're in here, he would say, don't say it, don't say it, because children's ministry always needs our help. There are times where you have to say, no. Service or serving is not the object of the worship. You see, Martha had become distracted by her work. She had become distracted from The real joy in the presence that was in the room. She was distracted with much serving. And she went to him, the Bible says, and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve all alone? Does she sound a little frustrated? Can you hear that? I can hear the tone, and I don't speak Greek, okay? I read a little bit of it, I can hear the tone. I can hear the tone in her voice. Is it not bothering anybody else in this room that I am doing the work, that I am the one shouldering this burden? Tell her then to help me. Now she's turned her eyes to Jesus so that she can get accomplished what she wants to get accomplished. And not necessarily what he wants to get accomplished. But look at what his response is to her in verse 41. Martha, Martha. You are anxious and troubled about many things. Her eyes are not on the prize. As we'll learn in just a few moments, the one thing that God has called really is the essence of those who follow him. She has become distracted. And because she has become distracted, she is filled with anxiety. And she is troubled about many things. I don't know about you guys, but anxiety Comes easy to my flesh. When I take my eyes off the prize, anxiety would grip me and would have me distracted of the ifs and the buts, and what about this and what about that. But we as God's people should not be those people who are defined by our distractions and by our our anxieties. Martha did not have her eyes on the prize. She was not doing the one thing that we'll come back and look at in just a moment. She's not doing this one thing. She, She doesn't have her heart in the right place. And even though she's doing a noble thing or a good thing, we might say, to help out in the room, She's become distracted, and she's anxious, and she's troubled. And Jesus says she's troubled about many things. You'll find, friends, that when your eyes are off of the essence of what we're called to do as believers, that we'll learn in just a moment, you will find that you'll be gripped with anxiety. But what about this world? What about the things that are going on? The ifs, the what ifs. Remember Peter walking on the sea of Galilee. There he is with Jesus. Jesus is walking on the sea and Peter has the audacity to say, "Jesus, let me come to you." He steps out on the water. I'm telling you, I don't I don't know what all heaven's going to be like. I know it's going to be more than enough. Being in his presence is going to be more than enough. But in my flesh, uh, it well, In my my limited understanding, I would love to just see this. To see this scene on the Sea of Galilee as the waves are going up and down as Jesus is walking across and to see Peter walking on the water with Jesus. As long as he had his eyes on Jesus, everything was okay. But what happened when he took his eyes off Jesus? Yeah, he began to sink. Bible says he became afraid, looking at all the other things around him. Believers, we are at our best when we are doing this one thing that we will learn in a, in a moment. And when we become distracted and when we take our eyes off of that one thing, we find ourselves ineffective. Worried about the politics of the world or the governments of the world or the rights that we have. Word about the world that we live in. We ought to be people who pray for uh, our government, pray for our world. We're to be active the politics and, and praying for our elected officials and, and uh, voting for people in the office who represent godly principles. Yes, we're to do all of those things but so often believers become fretful and they become anxious about all the things Things that are going on around you, it would do a lot of good for a lot of the church to turn off the news. I'm just going to tell you hey, listen, it was amazing. I, I wasn't, I, I'm, I'm not saying that some of you are old when I say this. I wasn't alive in an era where there were only just three news networks. But it's amazing to me how once it was able to be monetized, all of a sudden, 24-hour news, I mean, there was enough news to cover everything. I mean, every single, and it's not just one thing. He's telling you one thing, and there's things scrolling right here. And then five other so-called experts are going to come in and tell you how you ought to think about that. As a matter of fact, I consider that journalism is dead and commentary is alive every time I look at the modern landscape of journalism. They don't make money on you being at peace, but by getting your... Eyes and your hearts involved and attached and getting you anxious so that you can learn more about the answer that they, that they can have. Well, if it just happens like this in Washington, if just this is executed like this, friends, when we take our eyes off of the one thing that God has called us to, the essence of what God has called us to, we become anxious. And it happens to the best of us believers, too. You've served him for a long time. You've loved him for a long time. You know his word. And yet, something happens in your life. You hear something from the doctor. Something's going on in your family. And the first thing that happens in your life is anxiety, distress, many things. But we're to set our eyes upon Jesus We're to focus on this one thing. Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. And Mary has chosen that good portion which will not be taken away from her. So now let's look at this one thing. You know what happens when you're not focusing on this one thing. When you're not at the essence of what we as believers are called to be. Now let's look at what Mary did that displays what we should be doing. This one thing is kind of a two-parter. I told you it's kind of humorous. I said one thing. There's going to be two points, okay? But together they make one thing. The first thing that we learn about Mary in verse 39 is that she sat at the Lord's feet. She sat at the Lord's feet. She wanted to be near him, sitting at his feet showed her sign of submission. She wanted to be close in proximity to him. Friends, you are at your best. You are at your safest. You are at your calling as born-again believers when you sit at his feet. Let me tell you, church, it ought to be the practice of every believer. There's nothing more important in your day. There's nothing more important than to spiritually sit... At his feet. All day long. All day long sitting at his feet. Seeking him out in the morning. Seeking him in the evening. Sitting at his feet. Being in submission to him. If you have your Bibles, turn over with me to Psalm in chapter 73. 73, Psalm 73. In verses 25 through 28. The psalmist says, Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire. Besides you, my flesh and my heart may fail. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. I mean, if we just take this, this few verses, most of us as believers fall terribly short in casting our eyes upon him and being close to him. But the psalmist says, here, I've got no one else. I've got nothing else. There's no plan B. I don't want to care for the entertainment of this world. I don't want to keep my eyes on the things of this world. You're all I have, and you're more than enough. And though everything that I have fail, you're the strength of my heart, my portion forever. Verse 27, for behold, those who are far from you shall perish. The scripture teaches us that those of us who are far off... By the way, most of you, in the book of Ephesians, when the Bible tells us those of us who are far off have been brought near... Speaking of Gentiles, we were far off from the Lord. We weren't even in proximity by being his chosen people and the people of Israel, the nation of Israel. But those of us who were far off, God has brought near. Why then do so many people who call themselves believers now want to go far? It's some kind of weird Sesame Street thing. Near? Far. Near? Far. Near? Let's see how much further we can go away. Believers, you are at your most fruitful. You are at your most, uh, you are at your best as a believer when you are near him. The Bible says, those who are far off shall perish. Verse 28. But for me, It is good to be near God. Would you describe that as your relationship with Him? Are you near Him? I wish that I could say that I am I have more time nearer to Him than I spend more time than I am further away from Him. But you know, our lives are kind of up and down, up and down, but I find that in my life, the times that I'm most fruitful. It's when I'm near him, the time that the fear is away. You know, uh, the last several months, really, our son has had the nightmares at night, and he'd run to our room, and he'd either sleep in the bed. Depending on how tired we were, he'd either sleep in the bed, or one of us would take him back to his bed. And so we've been speaking on verses, When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. We've been talking about greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. But still, you know, those children, when difficulties come, when they get scared, they run to where they know where it's safe. So we've been offering, really, incentives for our son to stay in his bed all night because it's good. uh, This is probably in the Scripture somewhere. It's good to get a full night's rest, okay? And so we've tried to incentivize that. The other night... Bo came into our room. We talked about the incentive for the next day if you stay in your bed all night. He came to our bedroom about one in the morning. And he looked at me and said, Daddy, I'm sorry, but I had a nightmare. What did I do? Did I kick him out of my bedroom? No. I said, it's okay, buddy. I grabbed my pillow. I went and laid down on his bed with him. Why? He felt safe when he was near me. When he was near his father. Are you afraid in this world? Do you have worries and anxieties? Take a lesson from Mary. and You don't even have to have a chair. Just pull up a seat right next to Jesus. And sit at his feet. You know you probably heard it said. It's not what you know. It's who you know. You have probably observed in your lives people who have risen to prominence in politics or in business who had no business ascending to the position that they were in. What is that Murphy's Murphy's Law that sometimes those things rise to the top? Perhaps I am an example. I'm a pastor of First Baptist Church. West Memphis had no business being here, but just have God has placed me here as your pastor and friend, you know. But it really is true when you're near the Lord, when you're close to him, he takes care of you. He provides for you. He meets your needs. And when you're near him, you need no one else. I was thinking of that song, Nearer to Thee. Nearer, my God, to Thee. It said that William McKinley... These were his last words. President William McKinley, right as he was drawing his last breath, he called out, Nearer, my God to thee. It's also said that on the deck of the Titanic, as the Titanic was going down and people were perishing, uh, that the band stayed up on the deck and began to play, Nearer, my God to thee. In these wor- in these lyrics we find... Uh, the, These precious words, Nearer, my God, to thee, nearer to thee. Even though it be a cross that raiseth me, still all my song shall be, Nearer, my God, to thee, nearer, my God, to thee, nearer to thee. Even if it's a cross, so long as I'm close to you. There let the way appear, Steps unto heaven. All that thou sendest me in mercy. Given angels to beckon me nearer my God to thee. Nearer to thee. Verse 3. Then with my waking thoughts. Bright with thy praise. Out of my stony griefs. Bethel I'll raise. So my woes to be nearer my God to thee. Nearer to thee. Friends. Take a lesson from Mary. The essence of What we do as believers is just being near him. You say you follow Jesus. How far off are you? Can you even see him in the distance? Or are you covered in the dust that he's kicking up behind him as he walks? Mary sat at his feet. And then I want you to see next. She hung onto his words. She hung on to his words. Look with me again in verse 39. Mary sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. The tense in the Greek here of this listening to Jesus really speaks of an intense listening, an ongoing listening. She's hanging on to his every words. And I'm sure that at any other time, she probably would have looked over at at Martha and said, well, I better hurry up. It's, It's my position in this society to take care of these things as well. But she was in the presence of Jesus. She was near him, and she was hanging on to his every word. What he said mattered. What he said was important. He was turning everything upside down all that the religious elite had taught them, all that they had to do to to enter into the kingdom of heaven, all that was impossible, all that the Pharisees prided themselves on being able to do and that the common folks couldn't possibly do, and yet here she is hanging on to the words of life. The very essence of being the follower of Jesus is being near Him, sitting at His feet, and hanging on to His words. Whose words are you hanging on to? Whose words are having sway and influence in your life? That's why it's so incredibly important that we be men and women who love God's word. What a tragedy. What a tragedy to have the access that we have to the Bible. To have the access that we have to these words of truth, this inerrant, this, this, uh, perfect word of God, inerrant, infallible word of God. We have it here, and yet it sits on our kitchen tables. And we don't spend time digging into his word. We we spend time being discipled by news networks. We spend time being discipled by social media. And we wonder why we look less like Jesus and more like the world. Mary hung on to his every word. Does what Jesus say matter to you? Are his words important to you? Are you reading them, meditating upon them? Are you hiding them in your heart? We ought to be those people who are hanging on to His every word. I've talked a lot about politics and news, but it applies to everything else that pours into your life. Everyone is being discipled. Everyone is. Everyone is being discipled. Believers and unbelievers, they're being discipled by something or someone. The difference between believers, what should be believers and non-believers, is that we're being poured into with the words of life. That we have the light of the world. That because of our new birth, we are now salt to this world bringing flavor and perseverance and preservation. And yet the church... Is disciple by so many other things. You know, it's good to read devotional booklets. I want to encourage you, uh, if you're going to read those devotionals, make sure that they are sound biblical teachers who are going to help guide you. It's good to have commentaries and to read those things. But, friends, I'm going to tell you something. You have God's holy word, He has given you of His Holy Spirit. Open up His word and read it correctly. Open up his word and study his word and hang on to his every word. Are they important to you? I think of this all the time. I think of this very, very often. And uh, her name is escaping me right now, but that young Jewish girl, Corrie Ten Boom, who was robbed from her house, her and her family, and put in in a prison and then off to a concentration camp. And before they were... Uh, in prison, before they were taken by those wicked people. Every night, her and her family would have Bible study. Her dad would gather them around, and they would have a Bible study. He would teach his children of the Bible. Corrie Boone tells of the first night that they were in prison, before they were separated and sent to concentration camps. And instead of despair in the prison, and instead of worry and anxiety... The father gathered the kids and the mother around. And with no Bible in hand. They recited the words. That they had hidden in their hearts. And had Bible study together. Thinking on his word. Are you hanging on to his every word? Jesus says this is the important thing. Being near me. He is the source of life and light and all good things. And as believers, I want to encourage you not to be distracted by the things of this world because you are at your most useful, you are at your most fruitful when you are sitting at the feet of Jesus and when you're hanging on to His every word. Would you pray with me, please? Father, um, we want to be those people and we hate it when our eyes are taken off of you by the things of this world. When Satan distracts us, when our own hearts conspire against us and distract us, Lord, please give us singular vision in place next to you. Lord, let us sit at your feet and drink you in. Let us sit at Your feet and read Your Word and study Your Word and have fellowship with You and study in studying Your Word and in prayer. Fill us with Your Holy Spirit. And Lord, don't let us get far, Lord, but keep us near You. We thank You for all that You've done for us and for all that You're going to do. And we ask You continue to pour out Your blessings upon us. It's in the name of Jesus we pray these things. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this episode of First Importance. We invite you to check out our other sermons on this podcast and to join us in person on Sundays at 8.30 or 10.45 a.m., as well as streaming live on Sunday mornings at 10.45. We hope to see you soon at First Baptist West Memphis, where we love God, care for one another, and share the gospel.